On this episode, I have Kevin Kraut back on the podcast. Today we're going to talk about a topic that isn't well known unless you're in fundamentalist circles. That topic is the dream mine in Salem, Utah. This mine has been the subject of visions, prophecy, and one man's excommunication from the LDS Church. We break down the history of the mine, its current state, and also how it ties into some people's end times theology. Now personally, I haven't made up my mind if the stories associated with the mine and its prophesied future production are true, but nonetheless, it's a fascinating story. That's next on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. So I just want to take a moment to thank you, the listener. When I started this podcast, I wasn't sure if anyone would really listen. Now, to my surprise, this thing has taken on a life of its own. And that's all due to you, the listener, spending your time here with me, and it means a great deal to me. Now, as a husband and father, I'm keenly aware of how important time is. It feels like there's just never enough of it. So when you are spending your time here listening to this podcast, I feel a responsibility to never waste your time. In that spirit, as this podcast has grown, I feel like I need to do you, the listener, justice. I want to continue to produce good content and upgrade the audio quality. That takes better equipment and better software, and that all takes money. Now, I've tried to advertise, but you'd be surprised. There's not a lot of people wanting to advertise on a Mormon fundamentalist podcast. I know, surprising, right? Now, if you want to help support the podcast, you can do that one of two ways. The first is go over to mormonrenegade.com and hit the Donate tab. There you can make a one-time donation, or you can go ahead and set it up to be a monthly recurring donation. Your choice entirely. Now, option number two, because I'm a capitalist, if you want to head on over to mormonrenegade.com, click on the store button, you're going to find that we've got some new swag out. We got some t-shirts, we have a tote, we have cell phone cases, water bottles, coffee cups, we got a bunch of stuff and more is going to be on the way. So, if you feel like that's something you could do, again, head on over to Mormon Renegade and check all that stuff out. If you're not in that position to do so, I completely understand. We're all squeezed right now with high gas prices and high inflation. So even if you can't, please keep listening and maybe keep the podcast in your prayers so we can continue to grow, produce good content, and better audio quality. Thank you. Listening to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Welcome back to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. As always, you can get a hold of me uh, either by email at mormonrenegade at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of me on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Getter under the handle Mormon Renegade. Also, we have a website up, and that's mormonrenegade.com, so go check that out. So, in, in fundamentalism, there are a lot of topics, and there's it, it's hard to track them all down. Now, if you're in your car and you're heading south on I-15, and you look over to your left about in Salem, you're going to see up on that mountain a great big white building, and that's a mine, and believe it or not, that mine has a has a lot of fundamentalist uh, ties to it, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight is the dream mine. And to help me do that, again, I've brought on Kevin Kraut because 
frankly, Kevin's way smarter than me and has a lot more knowledge to share on this episode. So we're, we're going to get into that. Kevin, uh, again, I'm, I'm grateful that you're here, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So real quick, um, the dream mind, who, who started the dream mind? Well, I guess if you look at it in the real depth of who started the dream mind, it goes back to the Nephites right. and others that brought uh, gold and other records and other histories up into these mountains up in Salem and deposited them in, in a mountain and in a cave. And, uh, and that's who started the dream mind in recent years. It was started by John Hiram Coyle, and he had a visitation of two angels or, or the two of the three Nephites that came to him and explained to him some of the history of the mind and its purposes in the last days. So who was John Coyle exactly? Okay, so John Coyle was a bishop. Um, he came around uh, on the spot around the time of the manifesto. So just after 1890-ish, um, we started seeing some activity at the mine uh, area. He started to produce the mine and work on the mine. Okay. And this was an unusual bishop because he had very powerful spiritual gifts. Let's back up just a touch. What was, was John Coyle a devout member of the LDS church? He was. And, and did he serve a mission? He did. What kind of information do we have about him during his, you know, serving mission, his mission and that sort of stuff? Well, what's interesting is that uh, uh, John had made some, and, and I've noticed this in spiritual people, when they kind of make a covenant with God, I'll do this if you do this and, you know, that kind of thing, that kind of sparks off some of the spirituality in these individuals. And um, and that's what happened with John Coyle. He kind of made some promises to the Lord and uh, and he kind of always had the gift of dreams. Um, he saw things and visions and that kind of thing as well. Um, and so when he went on his mission, um, it was in the southern states over kind of where the Bible Belt was. And um, his mission president was none other than Jay Golden Kimball. Okay, the cursing apostle. The cursing apostle, yeah. Gotcha. And, and so there were a lot of interesting parts there that uh, uh, as time went by, Bishop Coyle had seen in a dream, you know, and he went and told Jay Golden, he says, uh, I had this dream, Jay Golden, they were looking for a redhead guy and, and you were given this talk and they came in, the mob came in, because at that time, mobs were pretty much against the Mormons, especially in the Southern Baptist area. Right. And so they came in, and they they were going to kill you. They were going to take you out, and they did. Some people were killed. They killed some missionaries. They did some pretty rough stuff to some of the people. And so, uh, so you know, Coyle said to be very careful, and so mission president sat there for a little while, and Jay Golden goes, you know, maybe I better just not go to that meeting there's no real i can send somebody else and so they sent somebody else and he came in and he preached the thing and 
And sure enough, just like Coyle saw, they came busting through the doors and they wanted to find that lanky redhead, which was none other than Jay Golden. And he wasn't there. And so they were very disappointed. And so uh, after that, Jay Golden would he'd say, well, if you have any more of them promptings, you just go ahead and tell me. You know? <laughs> and uh, He learned and pretty so, quickly. Yeah. And so there was kind of a real interesting uh process that happened with bishop coil on his mind on, on his mission you know that that showed his spirituality sure so john and what about what year would this have been then well let's see it would have been 1880s somewhere in there during during his mission it would have been the 1880s yeah i'm thinking around that time yeah okay all right so you get the feeling that that Oh, for lack of a better term, Coyle's a visionary man, right? He's a man who who receives dreams and and visions, and and very much in keeping with that early Latter Day Saint tradition, right? Where where we believe all men can receive revelation; they just have to be in the right place for it. So he's he's obviously got that gift. So he he completes his mission and then he comes home what what happens next with coil as he comes home does he get married what what happens yeah he got married and um kind of settled down there in spanish fork area and and some of the uh, areas there and he was you know he had a cow one day and it, he couldn't find it and he asked the lord you know if you help me find my cow i'll do anything for you and that was the covenant right there and when you make that covenant, you better keep it with God. And so uh, a lot of things happened. He had a well that uh, got hit that day, another indicator that what he was doing was correct. And so that covenant went to work. And then not long after that, um, he, he went in and told his wife, well, it looks like I'm kind of on a spiritual mission now type thing. And so he started into this whole uh whole dream mind process before we get there what kind of what kind of uh callings did he hold in the lds church yeah he was a bishop at that time okay so and and back in those days bishop didn't necessarily mean you were only going to serve five years i mean that 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 calling could go on for quite some time right very much yes until they released you for some reason or whatever yeah so, so he's obviously someone who has a certain amount of clout within leadership. Because also in those days, I mean, the church was a lot smaller, right? I mean, we certainly had members down in Arizona and up in Idaho and scattered. But for the most part, you know, the, the church was smaller. It was pretty well contained to, to Utah. So in those days, if I'm not mistaken, that really was a calling from the prophet if you were going to be called to be a bishop. The prophet knew your name. So this this is a guy who's not just simply a, oh, in doing my reading, he didn't seem to be a guy who was just an anonymous guy out there. People understood who he was, right? Right. So he's a bishop. He, he, he makes a covenant with the Lord where he basically says, Lord, if you'll help me do these things, I'll, I'll do whatever it is you ask me to do. So... Where does the dream mind come from then at that point? How does the dream mind enter John Coyle's life? 
So he did he did have two of the three Nephites that came to him in the middle of the night. Whoa. And they came and visited him and instructed him on uh, a lot of the mind, what would be done, how things were going to happen. Um, he saw a lot of things that he didn't talk about. There were things that uh, some of that time frame was was not to be revealed and and to be held on to at least until certain things happened um but basically they they instructed him and said that the mine was there set up the gold was there that the economy was going to crash some some future time and it would be the second crash would be a horrifying crash and that the people of the earth would need the gold to be brought out and the gold was put there and Bishop Coyle said, we only had one year to lay up provisions just like uh, Joseph in Egypt. And what would happen is, is that here in the Rocky Mountains that this would be a very pivotal location for all the world. And, uh, and, and according to what, what uh, the White Horse prophecy said that Joseph said, is that the Chinese would invade California, the Russians would invade the East Coast and they would come together, but they wouldn't reach the Rocky Mountains. They would reach and there would be all this, but this would be one of the last places of peace and safety is in so, the Rocky Mountains. So I think this is something that's fairly interesting, right? And, and look, I'll be honest, I haven't made up my mind for certain on the dream mind yet or not, but I find it interesting that, that he lays down a, a prophecy that at the time he gives it seems pretty far-fetched, right? During this time, Russia is controlled largely by the czars, right? And Russia yeah. and, and America have no animosity towards each, each other. America, for the most part in the 1880s, is still a small player on the international stage. It wouldn't be till after World War I before we got any sort of international clout china was a closed off society altogether that for the most part minded their own business so and, and now i think it's interesting that we see that you know what those two those two countries are now pretty well aligned right russia and china so i i find it interesting that back before there was any hint of either russia or china being uh, any sort of a threat to the united states he he makes that prophecy so he talks about a second crash. Um, what was the first crash? Was that the Great Depression? Was that? that? That was the Great Depression. Bishop Coyle, about five or six years before, he named the date that that would happen. He said, on this day, we're going to have a stock market crash, and it's going to be a horrible one. There was a person that went, he worked on... Uh, on plumbing and stuff and he went down and there was a boiler and he wrote the date on the boiler you know and really and other people recorded it um there was a, a a banker he went and put it in a safety deposit box and wrote the date and put it in the safety deposit box and then and then he told coil well today's today's going to be the day that that happens and he goes no no that's not right it's uh it's it's tomorrow or the, the next day or whenever and they, so they went back and pulled it open. And he got the day off. 
And so Coyle said, you got one more day. You better get your stuff taken care of. You better get your you know, money and put it away and get it out of the banks and all that kind of stuff, which he did. And, and so then the stock market did crash exactly on the date. Now, what's interesting is my dad, uh, there's a, a gal, and I can't remember her name, Dixon or Jean Dixon or something. Anyway, she was the one that, that did the crystal ball and, oh, and okay. did, uh, John Kennedy and others, and she was world famous. She had this gift since, since she's a little girl, and uh, she saw prophetic stuff, and dad was on a uh, uh, TDY or something with the military back in, uh, in, in Washington area or something, and she was back east. And so he got to go see her at a presentation they did, and she, he got up after and talked to her, and he told her about Bishop Coyle and what he saw and different things and the date and the time and what happened. And she looked at him and she said, now that is a true prophet. Nobody hits a date. Wow. And, wow. you know, you go back and look at even Prophet Joseph Smith. He prophesied things. He saw things in the future that would happen. It was he did hit some dates, like he said, on this day, this is going to happen and that kind of thing. And, and so so Joseph hit a few coil this was a massive one to be that far away from the date that it happened that's a miracle that's just crazy so yeah so he's hitting he's not just telling you things are going to happen he he's giving a date he said that's going to happen this day and i'll be darned it happened that day yep so he's talking about a second crash then that, that, that's worse than the first and and it sounds like in the way you described it, where where the whole world would be suffering, this is a global economic catastrophe. Yes. Did he ever give any dates associated with that? Did he give any like things to look out for? Hey, when this happens, it might be close. Did he give anything like that? <clears throat> yeah, he that gave second the, crash. He never named an exact date. I've wondered why, but I think it's because I prayed about it. It feels to me like things are liquid. Okay. In other words, time can move a little bit because the Russians aren't ready or this didn't get done or people pray. And so it changes the altar of what's going in this direction. So there's a little bit of play there where I think the first one was, this is just going to be the day. But he gave lots and lots of things to look out for. For the next crash and you know there was uh there you know he told people to keep gas in their tanks he uh he explained what's going to happen how the how the russians and all these are coming you know what it will be like a lot of devastation people's bodies would be laid up they'd die they'd lay them up like cords would you know where the woods all stacked he saw that in the experiences he saw uh, some of the armies invading, they'd come to Salt Lake in that area and come all the way down. And then they would come down to about where Spanish Fork is. They'd fizzle out a little bit and then they'd come into Salem. They'd fizzle out even more. And none of them would cross what's called the High Line Canal. Okay. So the High Line Canal goes from Salem and comes along the mountainside, comes all the way in front of Sanaquin, just north of Sanaquin here. It goes over to Genola and then ends over by my house in a pond. 
And so that's the end of the High Line. Anybody behind the High Line Canal would be safe. He says nothing would happen to those people at that point. And so, so that was one of them. Uh, there are other economic indicators that he gives. We could get into some of those a little more in detail and maybe even another podcast where we can go into real detail. But there were some very interesting things to look out for when the second crash happens. Wow. Yeah, I would like to hear a little bit about that. We don't have to go into depth, but maybe what some of those are before before we're done with this episode because I, I think it's good information to have, right? So let's just bypass that for now. So he's he's calling dates out, right? I mean, he's obviously set now a pattern of being correct with some of his um, dreams and some of his visions. And he's, he's obviously proving himself to be um, correct on those. When he starts getting visions about the dream mind, what is it that he's seeing? Uh, he, he was shown, uh, the three Nephites show him that there's a water canyon up on the, the south side. And up that water canyon is how they brought in the gold. And on the one side, on the north side of that canyon, there's an entrance way that goes inside and that's where the cave entrance goes to. And there's nine rooms in there. And those nine rooms are full of all these different gold uh, records, you know, all kinds of different things brought in uh, into the, those rooms that were sacred. Could be lots of uh, other devices, possibly. There could be Leahona. There could be other things. We don't know what's all in there. Um, and then on the opposite side, there was another one, another cave entrance that went in, and that was uh, brought in. Now, they told him, don't go in either one of those, because especially the one that goes on the, into the north, from the south into the north of the canyon there, they said, that's booby-trapped. And so people will get killed if they go in that way. So go around on the other side of the hill and... Go up a little ways and you will be shown where this is, this spot. And then that's where you dig in and you'll go straight in. And then you'll hit places right above it where you're going to go in a back way. So you're, you're going to have to drill through a capstone. It was like, now, now capstones in oil and everything. What happens is you get down so far and then there's like a layer of solid rock. And when they're drilling for oil or whatever, this for some reason this rock is at the top and then the oil's underneath and it just kind of keeps the oil from going up and everywhere. And, and same here, there's this room and there's a capstone, this, this solid stone that they'll have to drill through. It'll take a lot of work to get through that capstone. But when they finally get into those rooms, that's when they'll hit all the treasures and all the different things that are inside the mine. Okay, so how was he shown where to drill at? You said he'd be shown. What what was the mechanism there that, that instructed him, hey, this is the spot where you need to start drilling into the mountain? So it's so what happened was the next day there was a spot on the mountain where a light shone down. And oh. 
it this just kind of like you know out of a cloud or something there was a light that came down and he it hit that one spot and so he goes there and he looks at it and that's where he starts to drill the mine and it has an entrance in there and it goes and right now the mine goes straight back ironically wait 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 you said an entrance there was an entrance already there when he got there no there was oh, no okay. entrance that's where the entrance is now oh, oh that's gotcha. where he okay. made his because he's having to make a whole new tunnel to go he's digging a whole new tunnel to get into the back way because the front way they don't want to go in because it's booby trapped right like in indiana jones with all the arrows or whatever who knows sure. like a big rock coming down you know sure did he uh now did he get anyone to help him with this Oh, yeah, there were lots of people. He would be told that there would be people that would come to assist him in his work. And uh, and they did. They all came. There were people that um, that came. And, and when that started to be dug and they were and they were going in, what's interesting is that mine shaft, you can go to the very back of the cave and look and you can see the entrance. You can see the light coming in. That's how well done the mine was. Wow. And so, you know, and it's miles, mile back in there. So, you know, and so, so that was built. And then just outside that entrance, they had, you know, railroad ties that came out with rails on them. And they had little ore carts that came out and they had down the way, they built this big building called a mill. Now they call it a mill because it's a grinding mill. So they'd take the ore, they'd dump it in, and they had these things called ball mills. Now they're big steel balls about like this, and they roll around in there and they crush up the rock and it powderizes it, makes it into kind of a powder and it goes through a chute, goes down into another area. And then they had these flotation devices that they were bringing it in and they were experimenting, trying to figure out different ways. They'd bring it in with water and they would look through the ore and they'd try and figure it out. And some of it, they had heat applied to it. One time Bishop Coyle went in and they were, they were heating it up so hot and he goes, you're burning it up, you're burning it up. It's all going in the air. And, and later in talking with some of the real experts in gold, they said that does happen. That actually gold can get so hot and it goes up into the atmosphere and mm. and that goes up into our atmosphere and that helps protect our earth. And so so he, he was trying not to have it burn up and they were doing different experiments. And they were always trying different things to get it to work or to get it to perfection to the point where it would actually start to produce the ore. Bishop Coyle told, he says, we're probably not going to get this done, but we want to keep trying. But he said in the, in the last days, like at that time when the mine is, the, 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 you know, there's three things going to happen. This, this economy is going to crash. The mine will come out about that time and the church will be put in order. So those type of thing, things are going to kind of happen all around the same time. And, uh, and then after that, or oh, the ore comes out, there will be a new process that will make it work very well. And you get a lot of gold out of what's in there. And uh, in talking to some of the scientists, they say that this is, uh, 
this mountain is full of gold and they know that in fact bishop bishop or uh Brigham Young stood down on Santa Quinn and pointed at the mine at the mountain there and said, that mine, that mountain deep down in it has more gold than anywhere in the world. And that would be used for the gathering of Israel. Wow. So at, during its heyday, at its peak, do you know how many people were working on the on that mine? You know, it's hard to say. I know there were, I know that they had you know their their typical crew which was probably under a hundred mm-hmm. but it probably expanded into into thousands of people in fact it was one of the largest they said it was one of the largest organizations that was kind of like running on mormon ethics outside the mormon church at the time wow and so i'm sure there were a lot of people who well, there was a lot of stock owners. I mean, tens of thousands of those, um, and not all of them, you know, came and worked. But there were they were all there at the meetings and all there helping and trying to make things happen. So, in the process of drilling this hole, did he ever find anything at all in there? He found a lot of artifacts. They found um, like a helmet. They found some other things. Uh, my dad told me around the Wentz, there was a guy that had come in and he, and he was one of the workers and they were told never to take anything out of the mine and do this. But this guy, he just had to prove it. And so right where the Wentz was, he grabbed a big sack full of dirt, gunny sack and pulled it out and threw it in his pickup and took it down to have it analyzed. And I mean, the minute of her different, you know, versions of how much that was, but it was around uh, two to 300 ounces per ton. Wow. Which is phenomenal. I heard an astronomical amount, but I don't know that I trust that one, but it was around that. My dad told me he was there and that that's what the guy got. So, let me ask you this question. They found artifacts like helmets and, and what else did you say? There was a spear. There were some other arrowheads. There were different, there were different things that they found. Not a lot, but just enough to signify something had happened in, near there. Right. And were any of those artifacts ever taken from the site? Uh, they kind of were brought into the dream mine. My dad saw them for years um lately i don't think they're there anymore i think they may have disappeared okay or placed somewhere safe so during this time that coil's operating this mine what's his standing with the lds church it's it's very good there's not any real problems um there were uh, like I say, Jay Golden Kimball certainly believed in it and bought all the stock he could. Uh, there were other general authorities that were all very much in, involved in it. Um, there was one story that was kind of interesting because Marky Peterson, he had a nephew or, or something like that anyway, and he came to Bishop Coyle and said, oh, well, you know, my uncle, he's going to be uh, helping us out, Bishop Coyle, and Bishop Coyle stood there and kind of looked in the air, and he goes, no, 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 no. 
Marky Peterson's going to be one of the worst enemies of the mind. Wow. Before he ever knew him or anything else, he just said that. And, and that eventually did come out. Marky Peterson put a lot of pressure on it and made all these things and they shouldn't have this. This is just a business. It's not, you know, it's not some spiritual thing. I mean, it was very spiritual, uh, but it wasn't trying to compete with the church, but they, they treated it as such. And then, of course, James E. Talmadge came. And since James E. Talmadge was a geologist, he came and said, oh, this is wrong. And there shouldn't be anything here. And yet James Talmadge had other minds and stuff that never, ever came to fruition. And so right. then he comes down and, and there's actually a tale of where Water Canyon comes from. There's like this peak road. It kind of comes up in a peak. And they call it the highway, the, the ancient Nephite highway. And it goes from Water Canyon, comes all the way around over to, to Payson area. You can see it. And from an airplane or up on top of the mountain, you can see it comes up on both sides, just like this, like, like our highways today. You know, they mm -hmm. build them up on both sides and then they have this thing and water goes off and does all that. And so they called it an ancient Nephite uh, highway. And, uh, and I take people up there all the time and they could see, they can go over the top and there's a road that goes down the other side. And, and so Talmadge was sitting there one day, dad tells the story that Talmadge walked up and, and he's all got a whole group of people and he's all telling how, you know, this was Lake Bonneville and it come up here and, and, you know, and this couldn't be a highway, an ancient Nephite highway. That's just baloney. And, and, uh, and so they're all sitting there and, Talmadge tells all his stuff, trying to, you know, you know, get rid of the mine. He didn't like it. And as he's doing this, an old farmer, dad said he was standing there with the stirrups like this. And this old farmer, he says, well, brother Talmadge, you explain why, how we got this built up on this side. That's Lake Bonneville. What about the other side near the mountain? What built it up? <laughs> everybody started laughing and uh Thomas didn't have an answer and so he got in his car and spun off all mad and angry so what was Talmadge's big axe to grind there with the mine what did he like about it i think i think Talmadge had a real problem with fundamentalists okay and there's stories behind that even um now this is kind of a fairy tale-ish thing um, but I'm just going to tell the story. And what happened was Talmadge had put a lot of pressure and he found a fundamentalist guy that was living plural marriage. And so he turned him in and he was going to, you know, have him prosecuted and everything. And he had the proof. And so he had an affidavit and, and all this, he was going to write it up. And the judge said, fine, you got all that evidence and, you know, let's just do it. And so they, they got this guy in court and everything and then Talmadge never showed up. And they didn't know what to do. They were trying to figure out, okay, something's happening and uh, we can't find Talmadge. Where's Talmadge? We need the affidavit. Without that, there's nothing. And so they went and he was in his office and he was just signing the affidavit and he had knelt down or fell down on the, on the affidavit and he hadn't quite signed it. Oh, wow. So he started to sign it and then died and either had a heart attack or something, but. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. So, but at this time, Coyle's not in, uh, not, he's in the church, right? I mean, he, so what, what would have been Talmadge's big ax to grind there if, I think Coyle there was, was a lot of fundamentalist doctrine being taught by Coyle. Okay. I think there was stuff that people were learning that he was educating them with. I mean, my dad read out of the uh, uh, Journal of Discourses every day, you okay. know, to, to him. There was a lot of stuff that I think they started to feel a little bit threatened. Gotcha. The gotcha. Major threatening thing happened when joseph f smith promised that there would be a temple belt in mexico and coil got word of that and coil shook his head and he goes uh that's not what i saw in vision and they said well what did you see in vision and he said i saw everybody fleeing out of mexico and uh it was just what they could carry on their backs you know they were they had to get out of there quick and they were like, oh, really? You know, and, and so there was a real challenge there was Joseph Fielding, Joseph F. Smith had promised the people that if they give up plural marriage down in that area, that the temple would be built. I got you. And 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 so they were they were giving up plural marriage and doing all these concessions and doing all this. And then here comes Pancho Villa right and Pancho Villa came in and he threw my great-grandfather out down there not on my dad's side on my mother's side and he ended up you know up in in just southern and that's where President Kimball and all that whole group of people all came from was down in Safford Arizona right and, uh, and so they all got out of there and so everybody's standing there going wait a minute who's the real prophet here Bishop Coyle or this guy I got you so yeah, so he's he's presenting a, um, oh, he's he's casting some doubt at the first presidency, and he's doing it not not necessarily with the mind, but teaching fundamentalist principles as well as being more of a prophet than Joseph they F. Were. Smith. Okay. Correct. Okay, so how long does the mind operate for? Uh, I can't get the exact dates. You know, it was it was uh, started up just before the turn of the century. It went pretty much. Uh, my dad came in there around the late 30s, so it went all the way through the depression, and then it was still kind of and it shut down for a while, and then it came. They the church shut it down for a while, and they brought it back, and Coyle prophesied all that 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 would happen, and then. Um, and then it would have it would be shut down uh, after my dad went on his mission was like uh, the early 40s. And then right after that um, is when it shut down for good. And then Coyle died and Bishop Coyle prophesied that the, the mine would go dark. He just saw dark clouds around it for many, 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 many years. And then right before this big trial would have this big thing would happen with the economy, he made some small prophecies. Some were written down by people. So it's like I took a bunch of the prophecies and took them to different people and said, did you hear Coyle say this? Nope, never heard him say that. But maybe this guy did, you know. And, and so there was a lot of stuff about, you know, who wrote it down and was it accurate and did they hear it right? That all happens. Um but he did say that Eureka would start up again. 
you know, that'd be one of the signs, mm -hmm. telltale signs. And just recently, uh, 15 years ago, I was out, I was the only one out there running a mine. Wow. I was the only one out trying to do anything. And it was this, uh, mine that, uh, uh, that was given to the family called the crown point. And I was out working on that, trying to get something to happen there. And, and, you know, just nobody around the Trixie and the Bergen were shut down. I went down there all the time and, you know, nobody was there. There was some security guard that was there driving a truck up and down. That was it, you know, and we chatted about life. And, and so then it was only about four or five years ago, maybe we ran into a guy and he was coming to work, and get the minds going and all that. And we chatted with him for a while. Very interesting how all that happened. And now they're fully working. There's a, there's a magazine called Utah Valley. And it tells all about how the Trixie and the Bergen are both coming out. They hit gold. It's some of the finest gold ever. Wow. Uh, they said that there's seven mines in the world that have the same quality. Holy cow. So that's happening. Big gold coming out of there. Right. So let's back up just a second. What what ultimately does coil in as far as the LDS church? What happens there? Uh okay. So you mean what happens eventually? How, did, how does he get excommunicated? What happens? Okay. So there's complex things with that. Part of the, uh, the visitation with the, the two of the three Nephites was that they showed him some information that he could not share with anybody but the First Presidency. Mm. And they wanted him to share this. And so Bishop Coyle made a concession. He signed something and uh, saying that, you know, he denied the mine or whatever. They promised that he would get an interview where he could tell this information if he signed this document so he signs the document and guess what they do they renege on the deal they renege on the deal he doesn't get a chance to go tell him he's really upset um his wife had died she came back to him and said it's okay you know we know how because he felt bad about signing he was told never to sign anything right so he goofed up and then he said, well, we understand how things go on this side of the veil and it's okay. You know, it's like, don't worry too much about it. Some things just happen because that's the way they happen. So his, his wife dies. Yeah. He, he then, I can only imagine. So he's, his wife passes on and he's got this message that he's supposed to share with the first presidency. And it's, he, he gets this paper that says, hey, if you sign this paper, basically renouncing the mine, we'll let you deliver your message. Right. So that doesn't happen. He's, he does sign the paper, but, but then that deal isn't honored. What, what happens next to Coyle? What leads to his excommunication? Well, um, he was excommunicated around that time or before i think it was before that i'll have to double check but it's pretty close to that same time this was um this was brought on by uh several witnesses who saw um marky peterson 
after the excommunication and one of them pulled up to gas station mark peterson what are you doing here you know and he looked all scared and kind of hid away and so it was pretty obvious that he had something to do with bishop Coyle getting excommunicated but we don't know why he got excommunicated what what the lds church claimed is were were grounds for his excommunication you know, I'll have to go back and, and see. It was kind of a bogusy thing. It wasn't anything like preaching false doctrine or something. It was just, there wasn't really any sin on his part, nothing. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what exactly they did throw him out for. Hmm. Okay, so he gets excommunicated. He's He's out there on his own. When does he pass away? Uh, well, let's see. I can't remember exactly when my dad went on his mission, but it was while he was on his two-year mission. So that would have been the early 40s. Okay. So it was after the war. World War II was ended. Things kind of calmed down at the mine. My dad went on his mission. He kind of was heartbroken at that point. You know, dad was kind of his, one of his best friends that, and he didn't want to see my father go. Right. Like I said earlier, my dad went in and asked to go on a mission without purser script. And so Coyle said, well, I think you're going to get that, uh, son. So he, he did. Right. And so, uh, so then, yeah, that, that kind of saddened my dad, but he died around that time. And then once he died, what, what happens to the mine? uh the mine continues uh they're not working it uh there was a guy named quell dixon who ended up coming on and he had a brother on the board and they were told never to have two brothers on the board and so it's my belief that a lot of things happened with quell dixon that weren't so good and and also the belief was that uh Joe Geertsen, who is my dad's cousin, was kind of being prepped by Bishop Coyle to come on and work and do that. And so there was kind of a little coup, they call it, a little coup, right. and all that was taken away. Okay. So who do, who has control of the mine now? Does the mine still have a board? Does it, is... it still has a board. It still has stockholders. They hold meetings every second Monday of May. And uh, they had one this year. The COVID people were dealing with stuff for a while and they didn't have, you know, meetings, but now they did. They had just had one just recently. Okay. All right. And is there any movement on the mine? Is anything going on? Nothing. It's just stagnant. Okay. We're taking care of this house that's there. We're trying to fix this up. We're, you know, taking care of some of the electrical, all that kind of basic stuff, but it's really, really quiet. Hmm. It was told that there would be a white-haired man from the north that would come kind of around when all this stuff is going to start happening, and he will bring with him lots of money and lots of knowledge on how to start the mine back up. Okay. So now I want to go into maybe just, just a little bit. We don't have to go very deep, but some of the prophecies that that coil had made about the time preceding the this this massive economic collapse 
And let me see if I got the 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 chronology right here, Kevin. So the mine is supposed to come in before or after this economic collapse? About the same time. Coyle said that it happened. You know, there were all these things that happened all about the same time. Okay. The economic crash, the mine coming in, church being set in order, you know, all the 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 wars coming in, all the men coming. So it's a lot of the same type of experience that comes. Okay. All right. What are some of the things that Coyle said to look out for? You, you talked about the Eureka mine starting back up. What, what are some other events that, that he maybe pointed at and said, look, look for this. You know, I have to go back through. It's been a while. I was thinking just before we did this, I thought I maybe I should have, gone back and looked through the book a little bit more dad listed most of those in the book some of the some of the well economics would be one of them our economy would start to go very bad oh that one of the last things that would happen is that the uh, republican elephant would stand and then fall never to rise again wow so the republican would die we thought that might be Trump, you know, he would die in office. Oh, there would be a president die in office around that time. Biden could sure do that. He's uh yeah, he's old enough. Um, wow. Okay. So what's your opinion on the mind? Do you think it's got validity? I I'm, if you were to ask me that on a scientific and what I've experienced, and because I'm a minor and because I've talked to other people. Uh, I would say it's pretty close to about a 95% chance that there's definitely the stuff that they say in there. I was close to the mine and taken by a Native American and told that the Mayans, the Incas, the Aztecs, the Navajos, the Hopis, the this, almost every Native American tribe has brought reserves to Utah in this area. Really? They have mines here that, uh, other mine that's, uh, that's up near here that nobody talks about. Um, it's on the same path. There's like a path that gold comes from like Eureka, goes through the dream mine, hits Vernal, goes on you know up in the Uinas and then and it carries on there's like a, a weird line that goes through here of a big huge vein of ore gotcha. and so they've already found a lot of those things I was I was out with a friend of mine and we went out to Wendover and if you go into Wendover into Nevada you know 10 or 15 miles and then go straight north there's a road that goes straight north and there's a little mountain there range and many years back, I was taken there because my friend that does mining in Alaska and everywhere else took me up there. And he says, what do you think? Is there anything out here? And I was doing my little dousing rod and checking my visionary and doing different things. And, and, I, and I was all kind of messed up. And I kept trek checking and going through and everything. And finally, I turned to my friend and I said, Tom, this whole mountain is gold. And he kind of laughed and he goes, oh, brother, OK, you're off track. Let's just go to lunch. So we got in the car and took off and said, no, I'm serious. And 
so he didn't really take me too serious. And then uh, we went to lunch and then I went home and I was like, God, oh, why didn't he listen to me? I said, man, you need to get more of these, you know, claim all this area, claim all this, all that you can. And, and, you know, and he knew how to claim things really fast and do all the paperwork and everything. And he didn't. Then about a year, nine months to a year later, he sends me a newspaper article out of like the mining Utah or Nevada mining or something. And it's a big article about how Newmont had gone in there. They did a Landsat, a special type of new thing. And a whole mountain popped up as gold. Wow. And they it was the largest landmass uh, buyout of people's shares or stakes or whatever claims they had or whatever the large billions of dollars to buy this mountain and so that's getting ready to start going you know and so i've been over here checking that out dousing i went with another dousing person and uh, we doused out the dream mine and all the different areas and it's all it's all there there's even south of that there's more stuff there so yep so you really think that mine will come in at some point? Definitely. That's interesting. Too many, too many indicators. I mean, find me another prophecy of people that hit the mark on the head that much. My dad was there with Bishop Coyle one day, and he says, you're going to see America today. They're like, what does that mean? And so they're in there and they're blasting. They do their little pounding with the little thing and they're putting the pegs in and they put the dynamite in and blast it out. And they blasted out one of the walls and in the courts, the whole courts was all just white and it looked just like America. Huh. And so dad saw that fulfilled what Coyle was saying. You know, there's several other prophecies, you know, when they were getting ready to hit water, Coyle said, look, you're in within about six inches of hitting that water. And sure enough, you know, just within that short period, boom, they hit the water and it came out. And so now it's got a running water that comes out of the, out of the actual mine. And still, that water. To this day? To this day. It still runs wow. out of the mine, goes down. And they were watering and irrigating trees there for years. Just all I had to do is change the ditch, go to the next ditch, change the ditch, go to the next then they got, they thought they'd get real smart and put all this irrigation pipe in and, you know, how all these guys do it now. And now it's all plugged up with mud and they're having problems and gotcha. just go back to the old way. <laughs> right. Right. Huh. So is there some place that if somebody wanted to buy shares of the mine, can they go do that somewhere? Okay. So the mines, the share the, the, the mine's done selling shares. They only had so many shares. So they've sold them all out. And so now if you go to the mine and say, can I buy some shares? They're sold out. So what you have to do is you look on, on like a, a drain mine site or you look on KSL or you look other places. Um, and there's always somebody who passes away and their widow or kids or whatever aren't interested in the mine and they sell stock. Right now, it's going from anywhere from 35 to 40 a share. And I bought mine when I first met my dad. He told me about the mine, and I knew nothing about the mine or anything else. And he says, well, there's a stock, and it's, uh, 
it's about $300 and you can get a hundred shares. It's $3 a share. And something type inside me just said, buy it. And I said, okay, I got the money right over here. I went and grabbed my $300 and handed it to my dad. I didn't know anything about mine. Didn't know anything about coil. Didn't know nothing. You just got a prompting that. I just got a prompting and it was strong enough. I just said, I'll do it. Freaked my dad out. <laughs> <laughs> Did your dad own shares? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, everybody owns shares that I know, at least. And Coyle said, if you if you even get 100 shares, that will feed any family. Now, he's talking big families because they had big families in polygamous communities right. back then. You know, Was he a polygamist? Polygamy. Was Coyle a polygamist? Now, there's some there's some thought on that. Yeah. Anything conclusive? Well, one time they he was thinking about he went in and he told uh, his wife, he said, I think her name was M. M or M or something. Anyway, he says, you know, there was a widow down the street there. She keeps asking me, wanting to be a part of our family and this and that. And she says, well, you better darn well, you know, think about it or do it or something. And and so dad told the story that he was getting ready to uh, um, to marry her. And they were going to do it in public. And this could be some of the issues that were happening with the church at the time, too, you know. And so it was going to be a public thing. They came back in and says, Bishop Coyle, we're the, all the people here don't think that's a good idea to do that in public. You know, gotcha. maybe, maybe if, uh, uh, you know, in a private thing or private setting or something like that. And my dad said, so do you think he just didn't go marry her? Gotcha. Yeah. So it's and your dad, your dad sounded like he had he was really close with him. He would know. Very, right? very close. Yeah. And and you know, people, you know, growing up in a polygamous family and, and later learning a lot about how things went. I mean, people are always asking, like, well, are you a polygamist? How many children do you have? You know, I mean, why are why are fundamentalists or polygamists quiet about that? Because right. If you bring that out, you're going to battle. I mean, you know, I had experiences where I just talked about it. I mean, I I didn't even do anything, and you know, I ended up out of the out of my job, and and I wouldn't get hired anywhere else. And there was problems, and you know, and your family's at stake. There's there's some reasons why. If I was Joseph Smith and I lived plural marriage, I wouldn't tell anybody. Right. I'm very quiet about that. I want my children protected. I don't want them killed. I don't want any of this stuff going on. Right. So you must have some feelings on it. How long do you think it will be before that mind comes in, Kevin? Hard to say. Dad always felt like it would come in, you know, right away. Um, people have always asked me, is this the year? Is this the year? You know, and for years and years, I'd say, nah, don't see anything. I mean, literally, I would say, I don't see anything. And then the last uh, couple of years, I started seeing signs like Eureka coming in, this high gas rates, you know, more than we've ever had. Um, a lot of feelings are starting to come that it's going to come in, but not like real soon. I see like, you know, down the road, five, six years, maybe 10, maybe less. I don't know. Somewhere in that 
that time frame, I see something happening. The thing is that Coyle always said this would be one of the last mines that would come out. Because there's all kinds of mines that were promised to come out before the dream mine. Right. Bishop Coyle, a lot of people don't know, but Bishop Coyle worked in Boise, Idaho. Just below that, there's a place called Mountain City. Mm -hmm. And Mountain City, Nevada, it's a little dinky town, but but right there, uh, there was a silver mine that Geertsen's and all them own. And that was supposed to come out before the dream mine. So that would come back in. These mines would come back in. There's other sacred mines that were to come back in. There's one out by Stansbury Park near Twilla. And the story goes that it was a guy that was working. He looked up and he saw this kind of speckledy stuff on the mountains, shiny. And so he went up there and he found all this gold and some old charcoal and some of the oldest stuff there. And, and he's like, man, I found a big nugget looking thing, you know, like they'd made it and kind of set it down. And, and so anyway, he brought that and it was, had all this gold in it. And he took it to Brigham and said, Brigham, look at this gold. This is, you know, this will save the church. And Brigham took it and he went over to the window and he stood there for a little while. And he came back and he said, if we take this gold and use it, it will ruin the saints. Huh. But it will come out when the saints need it the most. So that's a prophecy, Brad Brigham Young. And right. he said, I am going to hide it up. Brigham said, it will be hit up by angels. I will hide it up until the time when it is needed by the saints the most. Gotcha. So I didn't know about that. I knew this kind of the story, but I didn't know where it was. And I had a, a friend take me up in that area and I was doing my little dousy thing and I was kind of feeling and some days you're on and some days you're just totally off. And so I'm up there and I'm feeling and I'm walking and as I walk a little bit, I get weaker. And then I back up and I feel more energy and I go back up. Nope. I'm like, oh my heck, what's going on here? You know, the closer I got, I just got weak. And that's a symptom. That's something. And I go, okay, what the heck is going on here? And I turn around. He's all laughing. And I said, you better tell me what's happening. <laughs> and then he told me the story. And he says, that's probably the angels protecting it. As you get closer, they're kind of beating up on you. And gotcha. so, uh, so I backed out of there. And then he came back and showed me in a miner's magazine, all this whole story and how it would come out later and all of that the, the lost roads you've heard of the lost roads right no uh, uh so there was a guy named Rhodes. they nicknamed it after him and uh i'm trying to think of the guy he was a stake president in manti oh it's a popular name anyway he was in manti and um not blackhawk uh the other Indian guy, I can't remember these names, he comes to him and tells him about it, says the great spirit told me to come and show you the, the money rock. And so he goes and shows him and then he comes back and then goes to Brigham and shows Brigham. And that's where the gold came from for the statue on, on the temple. 
Really? The Moroni. So that came out of that, that actual cave. People say that that cave was where all the Masonic treasures and other things, remember the movie National Treasure? Yes. So National Treasure was in Utah. Probably Uenas, probably up in that. We don't know exactly, but it's probably in those areas. And there are some people who have divulged that when you go in there, it's just like a Walt Disney movie with all the gold and everything else there, okay? Most important that people aren't realizing about this is the specialty of the, not gold, but the resources that are there, the histories, the books, you know, the, the things that are sacred that are, that are mounted inside of those mines. And so that's right here in Utah. And Abraham Lincoln said, uh, when he was talking about it, he said, the national, let's see, what is, Utah is the treasure house of this nation. Really? Wow. So, so, oh, so we have gold caves, we have places, we have, I mean, all through records of, of pioneers and other people that I will not divulge, there, there are other places that are supposed to come out before that time. Wow. So what would, it, to, to conclude, what would you tell people about the dream mine? I mean, for those just hearing about it the first time, because it's not a well-known story, right? If you hang out in fundamentalist circles, it's, it's fairly well-known. But what, what would you tell someone who maybe disbelieves it? What can they do to kind of begin to understand it a little more? Well, first, I think people need to look at, as we've talked about today, the signs, the hints, the things that have happened. You have an individual who is very, very inspired. I mean, hitting almost the mark on everything. His prophecies are even still being fulfilled like Eureka and others, you know, things are happening right now leading up to that mark. And we'll go into another day. We'll get into all the real details of that. But the whole point is when you find somebody that's that accurate and that, and that seems to be playing out that part, and then you see people all witnessing about it, you know that something's there. There's enough smoke. There's going to be fire. Right. And that's what I feel with the mind. Okay. And we only have one year after the gold comes out to buy up all the wheat that we can coming from Canada and other locations to get that down, to build up our food reserves. And, and Bishop Coyle even said that some of the people, when they, when the mine comes out and they get their stock money, they'll waste it on travel and doing other things and fancy cars and you know that kind of they're not going to be putting it towards preparedness towards being prepared for the day ahead which is going to happen just like joseph of egypt so we're going to have that replication when you see things in biblical remember it always goes in cycles right this happened and so that happens and it's kind of like a returning thing that's going to come and this is and this is the prophecies of the time ahead, the famines ahead. Coyle prophesied droughts would come, huge droughts. And this is the what the second, third year we've seen a major drought. 
yeah, have you take have you looked at Lake uh Lake Tahoe or or any of those other sure. lakes or Lake Lake yeah. Mead? I mean, they're all low, historically low. Yeah. That's prophecy by Bishop Coyle. Hmm. That's interesting. So, so you have to look at this as a spiritual thing. There must be some reason for it. There must be. And that's what Coyle was trying to do is get people prepared. They needed stock because the economy is going to go to crap. Nobody has any money. Inflation's sky high. There's hardly any jobs. And so you'll have a job at the dream mine where you'll be able to go and work because you own stock. And so you can go there and work to provide for your family. Gotcha. And, gotcha. and for nothing else, I mean, like right now, 10 shares, I mean, that's about the minimum that you could get. I mean, that's still 10 shares is $300. Right. You know, you can't afford $300 to at least just take a risk. Right. Right. No, that, that makes sense. Now, did your dad ever write a book about the dream mine? Yes, he did. And he did. Uh, can, can they go into old pioneer press, press and, and get that? Yeah. Old pioneer press 97 West main street, Santa Quinn, Utah at 84655. And it's right on main street here. You can order it online. Um, you can read the book for free on ogdenkraut.com. And so, so if you can't afford a book, it's there. Um, the phone number there is 801-609-2222. And you need to call during business hours. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Kevin, man, that was, that was awesome. There, there was some stuff there that I didn't even, that I hadn't even heard yet, but that's awesome. All right. Is there anything you want to say in conclusion? Well, I just hope people can read the book. Uh, there's actually three books written. One is the Dream Mind, the major Dream Mind book that my dad wrote about it. It's his version of what he saw. Then he wrote another book, um, and it's called The Dream Mind, Relief Mind 2. And that talks all about uh, all the different people that tell their story. So you probably got 20 or 30 different stories that were written in newspapers and theses and other things. And so you have all that there. And then the last one was written by Norman Pierce. And Norman Pierce was a friend of my dad that worked there. And some of Norman's times and dates, he wanted things to kind of do it. And it wasn't very accurate. I don't know that Bishop Coyle wanted him to write a book on it. But, but it does have some stuff you can't find anywhere else. All right. And we so, have all three books. It's all th all a, a set of three on the dream mind. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, Kevin, that was awesome, man. I'd love to have you back on again at some point. Okay. We'll go into more detail. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Okay. Thank you. Bye, everybody.